Well, this evening marks the 17th anniversary of my pastorate here at Calvary South Austin. And as always, you know, I love to spend this anniversary evening presenting you with the vision of the church. And and for the sake of clarity, you know, it'll help you to know that when I refer to the vision that God has given uh, to me for this church, you know, I'm not referring to the physical sense of sight by which we see with our natural eyes. And I think you recognize that. I'm referring actually to the spiritual vision that helps me to see the direction that the Lord is leading our fellowship of faith towards. And and in order to better understand this leading from the Lord, I just want to take some time to consider the pastoral position. It might be something that you've never really taken much time to, to think through. And so with this as the focus, I want to consider the way that Peter described the pastoral position in his first epistle. If you would, let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. And as you make your way to the fifth chapter of 1 Peter, I just want to take a moment to point out that there are several synonymous titles that we find uh, used throughout the New Testament epistles, which are designed to help us to better understand this pastoral position. Uh, I'll give you uh, the, 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 the list here. The, you can find pastors being referred to as bishops, elders, stewards, shepherds, and overseers. And you might think, Uh, Aren't those all different positions? No, I don't don't believe they are. And one reason why is found here in uh, Peter's first epistle where we find the apostle Peter, he's actually using these titles to describe the same pastoral position. As a matter of fact, if you would look with me here at 1 Peter chapter 5, I want to begin reading at verse 1. Here the apostle Peter declares, The elders who are among you, I exhort... I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now here in these verses, we find the apostle Peter. He's actually referring to pastors as elders, shepherds, and overseers. And just to be clear about this, it'll help you to know that the term, first of all, elder, uh, which is found there in 1 Peter 5 verse 1, uh, this term elder in this context, it's not a reference to the Mormon missionary that comes knocking on your door. You know, you, you see these guys coming and knocking, and, and they have, you know, they've got the little name badge that says elder so-and-so. No, that's not, that's not what Peter's talking about. No, instead, the Greek word, which is here rendered elder, well, it was used of those who would preside over a church. And according to Thayer, the New Testament uses the, t- the term bishop, elders, and presbyters interchangeably. Uh, these are synonymous words. And we should also notice what Peter wrote there in verse 2, because here he instructs the elders of the church to shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. Now, I should take a moment here to point out that the Greek words, which were rendered shepherd and overseer, 
they're actually pointing back to the Greek words that, uh, that Peter used back in the second chapter of this epistle. It's there in 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter refers to the Lord Jesus as the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. Yeah, the Lord Jesus is the shepherd, or here in 1 Peter 5, he's the chief shepherd. He's the chief shepherd, and he's the main overseer. And from this, we can see then that Peter was using these titles to describe the Lord Jesus back in chapter 2, but then he turns around and uses them to describe the role and the responsibilities of every elder. Now, what this says to focus, I should first point out that the word shepherd found here in 1 Peter 5, verse 2, well, it's translated from the Greek word poimaino, which was literally used of the herdsmen who were responsible for leading and feeding and protecting their sheep. So we're talking about a shepherd, or in other words, a pastor. And it's in a metaphorical and in a spiritual sense that the elder of every church is here being called a shepherd. The, the elder of every church that's been called by Christ, gifted by the Holy Spirit and ordained for this position, has been called to shepherd or pastor the flock of believers who have been entrusted into their pastoral care. And much like a good shepherd who guards their, their flock, uh, the spiritual shepherd who, is, who has been appointed uh, by Christ and gifted by the Holy Spirit, well, this pastor should provide pastoral protection and biblical instruction and divine direction for the Christians that they're called to lead. Now, we should also notice that Peter here is challenging the elder of every church to then serve as overseers. Now that word overseer is translated from the Greek word episkopio, which is the verb form of the Greek word which is rendered bishop. So you have your bishop who is supposed to be a bishopin. You know, you got your bishop, your overseer, who is given oversight for their fellowship of faith. And so when Peter instructs the elders of the church to shepherd or pastor the flock by serving as overseers or bishops, he's actually using the the verb form of the Greek noun that he used back in chapter 2 where he refers to Jesus Christ as the shepherd and overseer or bishop of our souls. And not only that, but this is also the same word that Paul used to describe the pastors who were there in Ephesus. As a matter of fact, it's in Acts chapter 20. Here Paul instructs uh, the Ephesian pastors in this way. He declares, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, bishops. To do what? To shepherd, to pastor the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. As we consider these instructions that Paul was presenting to the pastors there in Ephesus. He referred to the shepherds of the church as overseers who were appointed by the Holy Spirit to then protect the churches that they were in charge of and to protect them from false teachers who would come along, not sparing the flock. They would come along and present themselves as leaders to follow. And yet they're not leaders to follow. 
And so Paul here, he refers to these pastors as overseers. And again, the Greek word which is here rendered overseer, it's the same Greek word for bishop. It's a word which was used of those who were charged with the responsibility of spiritual oversight and for the specific purpose of protection and direction. Now think about it, it only stands to reason here that if the Holy Spirit has called me to serve as the spiritual overseer of this flock, well then he should also give me the spiritual sight that I need to oversee. Think about the concept of oversight or overseeing something it involves the concept of seeing, the ability to see it or, or, or to have sight over something. That being the case, I, I can assure you that God has in fact given me the spiritual sight that I need and he's guiding me with the divine vision that helps me to see where the chief shepherd is leading our church. The chief shepherd has appointed me as the sub-shepherd to, to, to lead this fellowship of faith as I act as bishop, overseer, as he, as he guides us uh, in, in the direction that he wants to send us. Now I could spend hours and hours talking about, you know, all the specific details of the vision that God has given me, you know, for this specific Christian congregation. And yet I want to spend our time tonight helping you to see how the mission of this church is actually according to the vision that I've been given. So I've been given vision to oversee this church which is then carried out through the mission. And with this as the goal, I just want to take a moment to remind you about the stated mission of this church. You see, our mission statement actually stems from the vision that the Lord has given me for this fellowship of faith. And so to put it plainly, our mission statement is simply stated in this way. We are here to reach up, reach in, and reach out. That's right, the Lord is calling us together as a church to reach up, to reach in, and to reach out. As we do this, the Lord helps us then to move forward according to the vision that he's given me. And with this as the focus, I want to consider the point of the mission, the first point of this mission, the reach up point. And with this as the focus, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 17. Now, as you make your way to John chapter 17, I just want to remind you that uh, the first part of our mission, again, is to reach up, or, or in other words, you know, Calvary South Austin is, is supposed to be a church where Christians are reaching up to God, making our relationship with God priority number one. If reaching up to God is not priority number one, then we are already at the outset off base. If reaching up to God isn't priority number one, then, then what is priority number one? And whatever that is, is idolatry. E even if you can tag it with Christian labels and make it sound spiritual, if, it, if God isn't first here, then we are guilty of idolatry, whatever the idol is. It's my desire that Calvary South Austin would be a, a, a church where we are making our relationship with God priority number one. And with this as the goal, I should point out that our mission to reach up is fulfilled 
when we set our sights and focus our attention on seeking the Lord Jesus through corporate prayer and praise and Bible study. In order to grasp the value of this first point, I want to consider something that Jesus says here in John chapter 17. If you would look with me there at verse 3. Here Jesus says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I love this verse because it's here in this verse where we find the Lord Jesus helping his audience to understand that the primary purpose of our lives is to know God. We've been called to know God, and we've been called to know his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And while we can tend to think of eternal life as something that we'll eventually enjoy at some point in eternity future, the Lord Jesus here is helping us to see that those who spend their time today getting to know God, we're already enjoying eternal life. This is eternal life. That we may know God and his Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, the first part of our mission statement is to enjoy eternal life today by spending time reaching up to God. And I believe that the best way to do this is through corporate prayer, through corporate praise, and through corporate Bible study. That being the case, I want to take a moment to talk about the opportunities that we have to reach up together here at our church, specifically through corporate prayer. Uh, you might not know this, but you know we have small group ministries here at the church, which includes Eve 31, the women's ministry. We have Max, the men's ministry. We have singles. We have One Step. We have incredible you know, uh, small group ministries here where you can pray together with other believers. Our, our Eve 31 women's group, you know, the ladies are praying together. The, the Max men's group have MPGs, men's prayer groups. Guys are getting together every other week praying for one another. Singles ministry includes time to pray together. The one-step program, uh, also people praying for one another. And beyond the small group ministries, you know, just the, the ministries where we serve one another, you know, the servants are praying together. And so we should be. Also, after our Wednesday night, you know, service, we, we have leaders here at the stage who pray for people. And not only that, but I've encouraged you often to spend that time of fellowship while the children's ministry continues to, to pray for one another and encourage one another. There are many opportunities for us to pray together here at Calvary South Austin, and we ought to be taking advantage of those opportunities. This is how we reach up together. We also reach up together as we sing the praises of our Savior every Sunday and every Wednesday. And while there are many churches who make their praise music, you know, this, this huge production, you know, and, and you know, they, they want it to be like a, a concert, you know, and you know, that's cool, I guess, if you, if you enjoy that. My, my vision is to keep our praise music simple. To not make such a production about it, because I find that to be a little bit distracting from the simple worship and praise of our Savior. Instead of a hyped-up performance, you know, we want our praise here to be heartfelt and, and as we reach up to the Lord together to keep it simple. 
Now, there are some who act like this time of praise is less important than the Bible study. You know, and so, you know, you know, it's, they get here when they get here, but, they, you know, they, they make it their aim to get here before the Bible study because that's the important part. Well, I would remind you of something that the psalmist wrote in Psalm 100. There he declares, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Doesn't it say we enter into his gates with Bible studies. No, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We draw near to God. We reach up through praise. And so we provide a time of praise before the Bible study because this helps us to draw near to our gracious God as we sing these praise songs together. And I'll remind you of something that James tells us that God will draw near to those who draw near to him. And as we draw near to God, singing his praises together, he's drawing near to us. Therefore, those who want to reach up ought to join us as we sing the praises of our Savior before the Bible study begins. And while we ought to be reaching up together through corporate prayer and praise, we should also reach up together through the study of God's word. Remember, it's in John chapter 17, verse 3. Again, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you that they may know you. Those who want to know God, well, how do you get to know God? Well, one of the most important ways is to study his holy word because it's in his holy word where we find the written revelation that helps us to understand who he is. If you want to know who God is, study his word because he reveals himself to us through his word. It's for this reason that God has given me a vision to teach through the entire Bible line by line and verse by verse. And I get it. You know, there's, there's some times where we're making our way through a passage and it hurts. And it would be a lot easier to just go to that church down the road where they never preach anything that's mean. It's always a pep rally. And yet, I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to fail to give you the whole counsel of God's word. Because this is how we get to know God. I know that there's many popular programs out there that other churches you know, are teaching through. And, and I've been asked at times, well, why don't we go through that program or this program? Over, over? I got one program, Teach Through the Bible. Line by line, verse by verse, book by book. That's our program. Because the Lord has called me to simply teach through the Bible simply so that we can know more about him. Because this is eternal life, that we may know him. Now, as we consider the opportunities that we have to reach up through corporate prayer and praise and, and through the corporate study of God's word, you know, I just want to take a moment to ask, you know, are, are you focused on fulfilling this vision? Are, are you allowing this vision to, to guide your steps? Or are you allowing less important things to keep you from this mission to reach up to God together? If it's true that you've become too distracted to accomplish this mission, then it's my hope to, to refocus your attention on the vision by, by encouraging you to spend time praying with other believers here, here at our church. Joining a small group ministry so that you can pray with other believers. You know, joining a ministry where as we serve together, we pray together. And, and let's draw near to God by showing up to our, our worship services, showing up on time so that we can sing praises together. 
and study the Word of God together. In this way, the, the, the Lord will help us to reach up through corporate prayer and praise and Bible study. And not only that, but listen, the, the Lord is also calling us to reach in by encouraging one another as we serve one another. And with this as the focus, let's consider the second part of this mission. And if you would, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Here we find the Apostle Paul directing every disciple to this very end of reaching in. And as you make your way to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, I just want to take a moment to point out that, you know, born-again believers have become the bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, we've been called to serve our Savior and to do this by serving one another here within our fellowship of faith. According to Paul, every believer has been called to fulfill a specific role within our church. And with this as the the focus here, I I want to turn your attention to something that Paul writes here in Ephesians chapter 4. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 11, here Paul declares, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now here in these verses we find Paul, he's helping the Christians at the church there in Ephesus to understand that every Christian has been called to do their part so that the church as a whole can become a healthy body of believers. And while there are many dedicated disciples here at Calvary South Austin who are doing their part as they serve the Lord, you know, it is sad when, when I see, <clears throat> you know, some Christians doing more than their share in order to compensate uh, for those who don't serve at all. And it's kind of like sometimes a football game, you know, where, where you've got a, a bunch of well-rested people in the stands, you know, observing the game while you have a small group of, of, of men down on the, on the field who are desperately in need of, of rest, working extra hard. And that's how the church can be at times, you know, a small group of people who are really serving hard while everybody else just kind of watches them. With that being the case, I want to refocus our attention on the importance of our mission, which is to reach in here at our church. Think about it like this. You know, the Christian who is truly reaching up in order to seek our Savior Jesus will then be led by the Lord to reach back into their fellowship of faith so that we might spend time serving one another. And while it's my job to equip you for the work of the ministry, it's your job to then begin accomplishing the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ here at Calvary South Austin might be built up and edified in love. And as every member of the spiritual body does its share, the entire body then becomes more effective within our community. As a result, you know, we enjoy the edification of God's love as we serve one another. When you show up to church and someone goes out of their way to serve you, you know that makes you feel good. And so why not 
go out of our way to help someone else feel better as they get here. Now, with this challenge in, in view here, I want to remind you that, you know, there are all sorts of opportunities to reach in by serving one another here at our Fellowship of Faith. For example, we have a maintenance ministry that makes sure that everything in our facility is operating the way that it should. I go along and I break stuff, and then they have to come along and fix it. That's basically what, what happens. But yeah, may, maybe you have skills at, at you know, doing maintenance, repairing things, and, and, and fixing things. And, and if so, this is a great place to serve. This ministry also works on various projects, which, you know, are requested by the different ministries in our church. You know, at times the children's ministry will ask for this addition, or, uh, you know, the media ministry will need something else, and, and uh, the, the, the maintenance crew will come along and, and uh, help to just uh, fulfill those, those requests. There's the cleaning crew that preps the facility prior to services and, and, and uh, clean, cleans up afterwards, you know. And, and so if you know how to push a vacuum cleaner, you have all the skills necessary to join the cleaning crew. We'll sign you up tonight, right after this service. We have a hospitality ministry, which not only provides us with coffee for the services, but they also prepare everything that we need for the potluck services. And, and they also prepare elements for our communion services, and they provide food for, for our families. You know, when, a, when maybe a parent is in the hospital and, and they don't have the, the bandwidth to prepare food, you know, for the house, you know, then hospitality ministry starts gathering together people here in our church so that we can start taking food uh, over to that family's house. <clears throat> We also have the ushers and the greeters. You know, the, the greeters welcome you here. The ushers throw you out, right? So, you know, depending on which way you want to go with that. But seriously, the ushers and the greeters are here to make sure that everyone feels welcome and that visitors receive the direction that they need as they try to make their way to the building. And listen, if you're outgoing and friendly and interested in helping others, then this might be a ministry that you would, would love to join. There's a lot to do behind the scenes if you're not a people person. You know, there's the media ministry, which, which you know, works out all the technical aspects of our services. We have the PowerPoint team, and, and, and they provide us with the, you know, the, the lyrics of the worship songs, and they put together these incredible presentations, and there's a lot of work there. There's those who work on, on our lighting and, and video recording, and not only that, but we, all, we also have servants who work on things like graphic design, video and radio editing, and, and, and uh, as well as... Uh, our website. If you have those sorts of skills, then this is a great way to serve the Lord here. Maybe you're a musician who's been gifted with uh, musical abilities. If so, then please replace me on Sunday. Please. Amen. <laughs> you know, we encourage uh, musicians to start serving on the sound team, learn the soundboard, and, and that way, you know, everyone who's on the worship team can uh, jump back on the soundboard if necessary. And after serving a season on the sound team, you know, the Lord might use you to join the worship team and, and that way you can help lead our fellowship of faith into the praises of our Savior. We have a bookstore ministry, which not only includes helping those <clears throat> who are looking for good books, but, you know, the, those who serve in the bookstore ministry also help with, you know, providing information about the church or helping people sign up for, for the various, uh, you know, ministerial opportunities here. If, if you have a heart to help people with guest services, you might join uh, the bookstore ministry. Finally, I, I would remind you that we have an incredible children's ministry and youth ministry. 
There are all kinds of opportunities to, to help provide our kids and our youth with the spiritual guidance that they need. And I have no doubt that many of us are concerned about what happens to our, our, our kids when they go off to college. That's the wrong time to start worrying. We need to pour into them today before they go to college. And that way we won't have to worry about it because they're equipped and they were cared for and they saw Christ's compassion in you because you stepped up and helped with children's ministry and with youth ministry. I could go on and on. There are so many opportunities to, to fulfill our mission, to reach in here at our church. And while it's my vision for every Christian here at Calvary South Austin to serve in some capacity, I would also challenge every believer who isn't yet serving by asking, you know, why not? Why not? Are you allowing the distractions of this world to keep you from fulfilling the mission of this church? And if so, then I encourage you, set aside those distractions. They're not worth it. And focus on the spiritual vision that helps us to accomplish the mission of our church, which is to reach up and then to reach in. In order to remedy this situation, I would encourage you to take uh, you know, a simple step tonight. Just stick around after the service. Spend some time encouraging another Christian. It's a great way to reach in. Just stick around after the Bible study and just, you know, choose someone, target them, and, and encourage them. Share your testimony with them or ask them to give you their testimony. And if you have time after that, stay a little longer and help our cleaning crew with the post-service cleaning of the building. Make it a point to connect with our leaders so that we can help you to discover how to reach in by serving one another in one of our many ministries. And listen, not only has the Lord called us to reach up through corporate prayer, praise, and Bible study, and not only has the Lord called us to reach in by encouraging one another and serving one another, but the Lord has also called us to reach out as we share the gospel with the unbelievers around us. And with this as our goal, let's Turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Here we find the Apostle Paul. He's encouraging every believer to reach out. Now, as you make your way to the 10th chapter of Romans, I want to remind you that the New Testament is filled with instructions, which would lead us to understand that the Lord is calling every Christian to reach out to the unbelievers around us. For example, you know, Jesus gave us the great commission, which includes the command to preach the gospel to every person. Not only that, but Paul also presented us with the ministry of reconciliation, which leads us to plead with unbelievers so that they might be reconciled to God through the cross of Christ. And it's here in Romans 10, where we also find Paul encouraging us to go out and preach the gospel. Let's consider how Paul puts it here in Romans 10, verse 14. He says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now here in these verses, we find Paul encouraging the Christians there at the church in Rome to become those dedicated disciples who are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the unbelievers there in the, the community might trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you might be thinking, but I thought you were the preacher. No, 
no, we're not Baptists. I'm not the preacher. I'm the pastor. I'm the elder. I'm the bishop. I'm the overseer. You have been called to be the preacher. You know, there are some churches, seeker-sensitive style churches, you know, that, you know, see the church as the place to get unbelievers into. And then the preacher, the evangelist, gets up and preaches at them. But, but nothing too aggressive because you don't want to scare them away, right? You want the unbelievers to feel comfortable at church. That is not our vision here. And listen, you can invite unbelievers to church all day long, and that's wonderful, and I, and I pray they come and, and get saved. But listen, I'm teaching the Bible line by line, verse by verse. There might be an evangelistic message on Sunday. There might not be. The preacher goes out into the world and preaches the gospel message, and who's supposed to do that? You, Christian. The preaching of the gospel message is really supposed to be taking place outside of the church. This is for the equipping of the saints out there is for the preaching to the lost. And if you really want to see someone come to church, preach the gospel, lead them to Jesus, and they'll want to come to church. But I'm not going to water it down and Osteen the, the Bible, you know, so that people feel comfortable here. I'm not going to teach the message not going to make it palatable. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a survey of the neighborhood to see what the unbelievers around here want in a church. There's some churches that do that. They send out a survey into the community. What, what do you need out of a church? If I would have gotten that as an unbeliever, I'd have been free beer, you know, just serve free beer. I'll come to church. We're not here to make church palatable for unbelievers. We're here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that you can be equipped to go out and preach the gospel and lead unbelievers to Christ. This is our vision. With that, you know, there are different opportunities to get equipped here. Studio 118 is is one of those ways. If you want to learn how to share your faith and you want to learn how to have that ready response, that apologetic for those who ask you about Jesus Christ, watch Studio 18. Go watch uh, the, uh, the shows that we've done uh, you know, uh, over the past two years. In this way, you'll get equipped to answer questions. Also, you know, our campus outreaches are an incredible way to get equipped. Because you get to go out as a prayer partner and watch an evangelist, someone who knows how to start conversations, answer tough questions. You get to watch all of that unfold right on the spot. And then you, you can even have follow-up questions you know, after the conversation is over so that you can talk to the person that you watched, share their faith, and, and find out more about you know, the, the approach that they took. What a great way to get equipped. Of course, we just had a team come back uh, recently from Mexico, and we are planning to do more missions to Mexico, and it's my hope that we'll eventually be able to uh, go to Spain and, and uh, work alongside of a buddy of mine over there. And, you know, uh, we plan to do more missions, but listen, uh, we have to be reaching out today, not waiting for the mission trip. We got to get equipped today so that you can go reach out at work, so that you can go reach out to the unbelievers in your house. This is part of our mission here, to reach out and with that, I'll remind you of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he declares, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christian, listen. Every believer has been called to serve as an ambassador of Christ Jesus. You might not know that. We are ambassadors of heaven. Yeah, we're still here on earth, but we're here to represent the kingdom of heaven. We are here to represent Jesus Christ. And what this means is that we've been called to plead with the unbelievers around us so that they might realize their need to be reconciled to God by faith in the one who bore our sins there on the cross so that sinners like us might be saved. It's for this reason that our mission here at Calvary South Austin is to reach out to those who are lost so that they might be saved. To, to sum it up, you know, the Lord has called us to reach up through corporate prayer, praise, and Bible study. The Lord has called us to reach in by encouraging one another and by serving one another here at our church. And the Lord has also called us to reach out as we proclaim the gospel of grace to those who don't yet believe. And as we consider the three parts of our church's mission, I, I, I just want to ask you, you know, will you help me to accomplish this mission according to the vision that God has given me? Will you allow me to lead you as I oversee this spiritual flock according to the vision that the Lord has placed into my heart? Will you use your time and your talent and your treasure here at our church so that we can together reach up, reach in, and reach out by the power of the Holy Spirit and all for the glory of God? I'm just asking you to work with me so that we can together function like the body of Christ. And with these questions in mind, I just want to take one last look at the point that Peter was making back in 1 Peter chapter 5. You can turn there if you'd like, or you can follow along there on the screen. But it's here in 1 Peter chapter 5. I'll, I'll reread the verses that we've already looked at. It's back in verse 1 where Peter declares, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Uh, now, as we take another pass at these verses, you know, we find Peter, he's helping every pastor to realize that the chief shepherd is the one who has entrusted us with a flock of believers. Yeah, it's the chief shepherd, the, the, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, the, the, the number one shepherd over the entire church. He's the one who takes Christians and leads them to specific small flocks that we call churches. And according to Peter, he entrusts them to the care of this elder. Now that word entrusted found there in verse three is translated from a Greek word, which in this context, it's used of those who have been assigned to the pastoral care and oversight of a specific shepherd. You might not recognize that Christian, but the Lord has assigned you to the pastoral care and oversight of a specific shepherd. Now listen, I'm not trying to get weird up here. 
and, and start assuming the role of, of some sort of priest. I'm not going to start wearing a backwards collar and, and, and trying to convince you that I am your connection between you and, and Jesus Christ. That's, that's all bogus. We all, Christian, have our own connection with Jesus Christ. And yet, if the chief shepherd has placed you in this flock, he's also assigned you to the pastoral care and oversight that I'm providing as the elder of the church. When the Lord led you to Calvary South Austin, he was simultaneously entrusting you to my care and oversight. That's what Peter is saying. That being the case, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by the point that Peter goes on to make here. You would look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5, because it's in the very next verse, it's there in verse 5, where the apostle Peter then declares this. He says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, just to be clear about this verse, it'll help you to know that the word younger there in this context was a reference to those who were younger in the faith. Therefore, Peter is essentially encouraging the Christians who were entrusted to the care and oversight of their pastor to recognize their role in submission, which means to yield in cooperation to the leadership of the elder of the church. And in this way, every Christian congregation ought to be led according to the oversight of the sub-shepherd who has been called to lead and feed and intercede for the flock that they've been called to serve. At the same time, listen, I've also been called to yield in cooperation. So lest you think that, you know, that I get to just bully everybody around and tell everybody what to do and these sorts of, that's not my point. Because after saying, hey, younger Christians, submit yourselves to the elders, then he turns around and says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. We've all been called to yield in cooperation first to Jesus Christ and then to one another as, as I prayerfully you know, seek to establish the rank and file of this fellowship according to the Lord's calling and gifting. In other words, the Lord is calling me to establish a, a discipleship plan which will then equip the saints for the work of ministry. Remember Ephesians 4? And in this way, we're all to discover the ministry that the Lord is calling us to accomplish. Then it's also my job to provide proper parameters so that we can all serve our Savior according to our calling within the, the vision that God has given me, which is then carried out through our mission. And within these proper parameters, you know, the, you know, we were called to then start submitting to one another, yielding in cooperation with one another as every part of the body does its share in order to edify the rest of the body as we learn to serve one another in love. Christian, listen, every church is supposed to function like a body. Our church is supposed to function like a body. And what this means is that We've all been called to accomplish the part that, that we're called to accomplish as we submit to everyone else in the body. Aren't you glad when every part of your body submits to your brain? You know, if your brain sends a signal to your hand to scratch your ear and you end up poking yourself in the eye every time, that would get real old now, wouldn't it? 
So when your, when your brain tells your hand to scratch your ear, you know, it's, it's nice to know that it's not heading straight to the eyeball. If it is, then you have a neurological disorder, but that's another issue. But also, isn't it nice to know that you have, you know, the hand with the finger that's going to scratch the ear? Because, because what if your entire body was just an eyeball with vision? Imagine that for a moment. Your entire body, just an eyeball with vision. An eyeball that can see. That would just be weird. If the entire body was an eyeball, we might have vision. But what good is, you know, 2020 vision if we're always stuck in the same spot because there's no legs, no feet to move us forward? And even if we had, you know, an eyeball on some legs with some feet, you know, and well, when you get to where you wanted to go, what are you going to do? You don't have any hands and arms to embrace whatever it is that you were looking at. I like the way that Paul put all of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's here where he declares, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our, on our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which, it, which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members individually. Christian, listen, our fellowship of faith has been called to function like a fully functioning body. And I know my calling, I've been called to, and, and even spiritually gifted to accomplish the position of pastor. The Lord has called me to be the elder, the bishop, the overseer of this church. And while it's true that the Lord has given me the vision for this church, it's also true that the Lord is calling every Christian here at Calvary South Austin to do their part. And that's why it's so important for us to, to grasp this concept of us functioning like a body. My heart breaks for people who suffer from paralysis because, you know, or, or, or have lost a limb of some sort, you know, that's, it's heartbreaking. I, I was watching a program recently where a, a gal uh, lives in Alaska. She lost an arm when she was young. 
And she's had to learn how to do everything with just one arm. And she gets by. It's incredible. She fishes and she cleans her fish. And I mean, it was just to watch this lady in action was just so impressive. But then hearing her testimony, I have no doubt that she would love to have her other arm back. She had to learn at a late age how to function with one arm. How many churches are are, are just learning how to function with one arm because they lost an arm or there's paralysis in the body? The church shouldn't be like that. The church should be fully functioning, every part of the body doing its share, resulting in the edification of the entire body, and that's my encouragement to you. I pray that you catch this vision so that together we can accomplish the mission that God has given us. Together, let's reach up and reach in and reach out as we discover what part of the body we are and then the best way to go about fulfilling that part. Let's serve together, reaching up to the Lord, reaching in together, and then reaching out to the world so that we can accomplish the mission that God has given me according to the vision that he's placed into my heart as I continue to oversee this fellowship of faith. Let's pray.